we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 25th, 2009. And uh, today we're going to be, uh, I'm going to try to get to more than just the swine flu updates. Uh, I, I actually did a teaching on the Freemasons last week that I haven't been able to post yet as well that I'll try to get up uh, soon. And today we're going to be, you know, there's just more breaking stuff on on the uh, this swine flu debacle, you know, by the week. And the topics we're going to be covering today, just in a nutshell, kind of the table of contents for today's lesson. Uh, first topic, President Obama declares national emergency over swine flu pandemic. And why is he doing it? Uh, vaccines, these are just the topics. Where should I get mine at church? Then the next one, Dr. Oz of the Oprah fame um, and the money behind the vaccine scam slash genocide. CBS, then CBS reveals the swine flu cases are seriously overestimated. And then we're going to be talking, uh, commenting on an interview from a Dr. Andrew Molden. Uh, what you're never told about vaccines. That, 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 is, that information is just unbelievably amazing when we get to that part of this teaching. Just amazing. I just keep learning more about this, um, you know, literally by the day. And next topic, Hollywood is telegraphing their punches again. Prophetic 2010 Stargate episodes warn of a dangerous vaccine. And the last topic, a vaccine for anxiety. The real reason why drug companies are pushing more vaccines. So those are the main topics we're going to cover today. It's a lot of material. We're going to be listening to some clips from different people uh, to confirm what we're talking about here. And I also want to just take a moment just to uh, kind of a little update and uh, to thank the people that have, uh, for my listeners, for their prayers, uh, uh, those that have sent in donations. It's it's made a a really big difference regarding me transitioning into full-time ministry. Um, And a lot of people ask me about how uh, my hand and Taylor's knee had healed up. And uh, I have to tell you, within... Four days, this brown recluse bite that I had on my finger was totally healed. And I believe the Lord um, healed it. He also showed me what to do in regard to that. And I'll tell you just what I did in a brief nutshell. Uh, You can literally lose a finger or sometimes even a limb from a brown recluse bite. They, They can be that bad. They cause what they call tissue necrosis, but it doesn't happen right away. It's a very slow thing, and usually by, in about a week, it starts to get really bad. It starts swelling by the third day, and then by the, the week period, you get into um, where the tissue literally starts to, like, almost like rot, tissue necrosis. Um, I used um, the uh, 5,000 parts mild silver protein from Invive, and uh, the, the silver I always recommend and also um, Lugol's iodine, which is kind of hard to find, but you can find it up on the Internet um, through some lab companies. Uh, it's been used for a long, long time. Just remember, if you use Lugol's iodine, you want to dilute it to a about a 5% to 6% solution. You don't want to use it straight. If you get 11, it's too much. It's, it's too... Uh, that, that could actually uh, burn you a little bit. So you don't want to use 11%, use 5 And um, Lugol's is spelled L-U-G-O-L-S. Been used since the early 1800s. So I applied that in the mild silver protein. 
Uh, also, they had listed for brown recluse bites zinc oxide cream. It's kind of like a polysporin type cream, but it's zinc oxide. has a lot of zinc in it. I also took the silver internally with just zinc, the trace mineral, internally. Uh, I combined this with some DMSO, DMSO, over the topical application of the silver and the Lugol's iodine. DMSO will actually carry those products right into the body. So you, you need to be careful what you use it with, because whatever you put on the skin, it will push right into the body. Um, and I would say within four days, I was essentially 100% better. And no residual, nothing, nothing happened at all. And I know it was a brown recluse bite. I actually saw it. So um, Taylor's knee healed up miraculously as well. And um, uh, within two, I'd say about five or six days, the stitches that she had were already starting to pop out literally of her knee. I mean, it was almost like the body was saying, okay, we don't need these anymore. She had all of her stitches out in, I think, less than a week. Yes. So, that's pretty amazing. And her body was doing it, you know. Uh, So, thank you for your your prayers regarding that. And, um, uh, oh, another thing. Uh, A lot of people are asking me, okay, they're wanting to order this or that. And I know I ran that special on the the vitamin D3 and the silver. I've barely been able to keep up with the with the D3 orders, and um, thank you for those. And uh, with the silver, or with even the D3, if and I hate to say this, but if you're out of the country, if you're out of the United States, I, there's not a lot I can do because I just don't have the time to get into overseas shipping. Uh, my time's so limited as it is. It, more so by the day, I get more inquiries and more breaking current events. So I had, I've, if, if you need to order the silver overseas, just go up to my website at www.dr-johnson.dr, then the a little dash symbol, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N dot com, and you can order anywhere on the planet the silver. Now with the D3, uh, that's a little bit dicier of a situation. Uh, you can go up on the internet and look up innate response formulas and go to their website and there's an 800 number you can call and see if there's people, maybe particularly in your country, because it's it's typically, especially the higher dose D3, is sold through healthcare professionals only. And that's why I can offer it, because I'm a, I'm a doctor. So um, you can go up to innate response formulas, and uh, they have an 800 number there you can call to see if it's available or if there's a place you can order it in your country. Um, also, the silver... I've had people email me saying when they got it, the 5,000 part per million, you know, it's brown. And all the other stuff in the health food stores is like, a lot of it's clear like water. Well, the reason that is, is because if you go in and let's say you get a 10 part per million, it's essentially going to look clear in the bottle like water. There's 10 parts silver per million, okay? Whereas if you get 5,000 parts per million, that's 500 times more concentrated. So when you concentrate something it's going to have a darker and darker color as it's concentrated. And uh, that's the reason for that. And it should be that way. Okay, So that's why it's totally normal that for the silver to be you know, dark brown, and it does not taste good. Another thing. And I try to send out my Mild Silver Protein newsletter 
um, attachments, but uh, if you've ordered it and you want that attachment, just email me um, and let me know, and I will uh, I'll email that to you. It's um, my email address is on the sermon audio page. Most of you are on my email uh, newsletter list as well, but uh, my email is Dr. Johnson D R J O H N S O N at the letter I, the letter X dot netcom n e t c o m dot com, and um, I'll send you that attachment on the mild silver protein. Kind of gives you some startup dosages too, if you're cautious. If you're a woman in particular and you're suspecting you have candida or yeast, you want to be cautious about how you start up the product. You want to start slow and work your way up. You're not going to hurt yourself, but you can cause what they call a Herxheimer or a die-off effect if you take too much at the beginning. And it's not like you're going to drop dead or something, but the thing is, is it's going to probably give you a headache and you're going to want to, you know, it's like you're going to go into detox. It's very important when you initiate the silver that you're drinking, you know, 8 to 10 glasses of purified water per day to flush out the toxin. It's a good thing. Detox reactions are a good thing. It's saying that your body has the stuff that it needs to get rid of, but you need to be sensible in the way you start up these. Whether it's a liver detox, whether it's something like silver, they can all detoxify. They're going to do it in different ways, though. So uh, one of the things you can do on the silver as well is you can um, uh, use the one I like, the one that's the best value for the money, is it's now now foods n o w and they sell an organic peppermint oil okay i use i love peppermint oil and it's organic it's very uh i i've tried other peppermint oils i think it's for the money the best that you can get and uh it's got a great taste but obviously it's very strong because it's the concentrated essential oil of the peppermint plant and um you just put a you know little little bit on your finger and hit your tongue with it before you do the silver, uh, particularly if you're getting up into the higher dosages, and that will that will literally overpower the taste of the silver, okay, because that's a big, you know, thing for a lot of people. They can't handle the, the taste, some of them, and uh, it doesn't taste good, I, I admit it, but when you have something 500 times as concentrated, it's not going to taste good, um, and that's a way you can compensate for that, so you can find that now. Uh, there's a good website, Herbs MD, and uh, Herbs MD, I believe, has it. And there's another one, Herbs Pro, I think. It's .com on both. They sell the now organic peppermint oil. They also have a now organic lemon oil that's really good if you have like uh, it's, a, it's a way to um, actually kill bacteria in you know water or tea or things like that. You can put it in there. It has a really good taste too. It makes the water taste great. So those are those are good. Uh, also, when you're done, you know, with the silver dose, if you're doing like let's say half a teaspoon or whatever, it will turn your teeth brown temporarily, okay? Because it's a brown color, and it will coat your teeth. So all you really need to do is, you know, in two or three minutes after the dose, you know, you can brush your teeth, and it'll come off. Uh, I've had some inquiries, people concerned about me with um, sending out some stuff from Alex Jones. I, I've sent out numerous, in the past, numerous cautions regarding Alex Jones, okay? And um, I'm not... The, the reason that I'm... What I'm trying to do right now in particular with the current event issues is um, consolidate them, get a lot of cross-confirmation. Today, 
I think almost every single article we're going into to, uh, today with the swine flu has nothing to do with, with Alex Jones. He's one of the many news outlets out there. There's a lot of secular news outlets that, that I use as well. I'm, you know, to, to confirm things. CBS, ABC, things like this. These are people that, that, um, are organizations that are as ungodly as you could possibly be. But a lot of times they can be used to confirm things. And I'm not saying Alex Jones is that. But people have been warning me. I know he had David Icke on the other day. And he's in pretty much in agreement, it sounds like, with David Icke. Which is, to me, unfathomable. But uh, David Icke is, you know... <laughs> well, he's... Just put it this way. He His... his He's very, very, very extremely new age in his belief system. And although Alex calls himself a Christian, Alex was very much in an agreement, it seemed, with David Icke. So please don't think that I'm, you know, falling, that I'm hook, line, and sinker for every single thing that Alex Jones espouses or says. But I think right now, from what I've seen, his site is pretty much doing the best job on the internet of tying everything together, particularly in regard to uh, the coming one world government and the, fly, the swine flu scam that we're presenting. And most of the time, what he's doing is the same thing I'm trying to do in regard to compiling the information together, disseminating it, distilling it, and then putting it back out. Much of the sources that he used has nothing to do with him. So, again, that's... That's all I'm going to say about that. And, and that goes for a lot of different um, things. Just because I use somebody as a source doesn't mean I'm putting my rubber stamp approval on them. There's no ministry out there that has it 100% totally figured out. Okay, And now I'm just talking about if I refer to a ministry website. Nor do I have everything 100% figured out. Um, the Bible says we see through a glass but darkly and that we know in part... So none of us have it all figured out in every way, shape, or form. And when you start to think that, that's when pride starts to come in, and then that's when you get blinded to the truth, because pride will blind you every single time. It did to Satan. It was the first, essentially the first sin ever recorded in the Bible, in Ezekiel, because of his beauty and his merchandise, the Bible says, Lucifer, Satan, was lifted up. And um, we've got to always guard against that, and the remedy for pride is humility and fear of God. And those are things that you could be praying for. So there's, oh, I've had a lot of requests for, okay, please do a teaching on this. Please do a teaching on that. There's about two or three hundred teachings I'd like to do. I would love to do. The problem is, is I just don't have the time. Um, I'm already putting up three hours, you know, uh, two to three hours every single week. And uh, with these breaking current events that could literally be impacting us, I, I never know from a week-to-week basis if this will be my last study. There's only so much I can cover. There's a lot of teachings I would like to do, um, but it's simply finding the time to do it. So pray for me that, you know, if, if the Lord wants me to get uh, these other teachings up, that I'll have the time to do it, because uh, right now I just don't. I, I'm more overwhelmed and inundated now than I've ever been with my ministry, and it literally seems like that is growing by the week. If I'm away from my computer for one day, it's a gigantic mess to try to catch up. And um, so, uh, anyway, I just wanted to give you some updates there, and um, let's go ahead and we'll get right into the teaching now. And I'm going to 
Okay, so here we go. First article is President Obama declares national emergency, and I've got, I had, I can't tell you how many people emailing me about this. And um, <clears throat> this is from Mike Adams, and from Natural, Natural News, he just put this out. According to the CDC, swine flu infections have already peaked, and the pandemic is on its way out. Peak infection time was in the middle of October, where one in five U.S. children experienced the flu, says the CDC. Now, we're going to be looking at that in depth in one of the coming articles, uh, where we're going to prove that these infections that the CDC reported the vast majority were not H1N1. They were not. It's a propaganda ploy. Okay, we're gonna be, and this is from this is from a secular news source, CB, uh, CBS, even found this out. So, um, even though the H1N1 pandemic appears to have peaked out, U.S. President Obama has now declared a national emergency over swine flu infections. Reasoning behind such a declaration, according to White House, is designed to allow hospitals to better handle the surge in patients by allowing them to bypass certain federal laws. Yeah, where they're going to bypass our rights is what's going to happen. Uh, these emergency powers actually trump or override the Bill of Rights. That's the public explanation for this, but the real agenda behind the declaration uh, may be far more sinister. Declaring a national emergency immediately gives the federal authorities dangerous new powers that can now be enforced at gunpoint at gunpoint, including the power to force mandatory swine flu vaccinations on the entire population. So people were emailing me about this, and this is what this could actually pan out to be. Uh, another thing that could happen, the power to arrest, quarantine, or involuntary, involuntarily transport anyone who refuses the swine flu vaccination. Another point, the power to quarantine an entire city and halt all travel in or out of that city. The power to enter any home or office without a search warrant and order the destruction of any belongings or structures deemed to be a threat to public health. In other words, if they deem it contaminated by the H1N1. And then the effective nullification of the Bill of Rights. Your, due, your right to due process, to being safe from government, search and seizure, and to remain silent to avoid self-incrimination are null and void under a presidential direct declaration of a natural, national emergency. None of this means that federal agents are going to immediately march to your door arresting people at gunpoint if they refuse the vaccine, but they could if they wanted to. Now, again, right now we don't, we don't have a problem in reality, although they're saying we do. We're going we're gonna to really be looking at that in depth. But what they're trying to show you here is that everything's in place to do this if they so choose. So your rights as an American are no longer recognized under the national under this national emergency declaration. The declaration of this national emergency seems suspicious from the start. Number one, where's the emergency? The number of people killed by the swine flu in the U.S. is a small, far smaller than the number of people killed each year from the seasonal flu, according to the CDC's own statistics. People obviously aren't dropping dead by the millions from H1N1. Most people are just getting mild flu symptoms, in a few days they're fine. I've heard adults being over it in one day, literally, people that have emailed me. So where's this so-called emergency? The only emergency I can see is the emergency fabricated by the big pharma cartels to sell more vaccines. By declaring a national emergency over the H1N1 pandemic, Obama looks like he's on their payroll. 
I find this timing curious, as two days ago New York gave up its efforts to require mandatory vaccinations of healthcare workers. This was designed to defuse a large number of planned protests from the health freedom conscious people who don't want government mandated chemicals pumped into their veins. And again, this is why I believe it's important to be proactive in whatever way the Lord is convicting you. Whether that's getting on your knees praying about this, whether that's actually going out to these protests, um, you know, this is something where the Illuminati wants to gauge public reaction before they ever implement draconian agendas. And if there's enough public outcry, typically it causes them to uh, shift gears and do something different. So this timing is very curious in light of these things. The planned protests in New York would have fueled yet more resistance among healthcare workers across the country. And had it been allowed to continue, it could have resulted in a huge nationwide backlash against swine flu vaccines. By backing off the vaccine mandate and blaming it on the vaccine shortage, which is what they're doing, and then having the Obama declare a national emergency, our state and national leaders have halted the protest and put into place a pro-vaccine Big Brother mandate that can be enforced at gunpoint. So they backed off this mandate, and then they cried, oh, there's this vaccine shortage. I mean... My local news, if you turn it on, and it's probably like this across America, oh, we've got this gigantic vaccine shortage. And they go to these vaccine centers and they show all these people that are getting their, their vaccinations and um, locally where, where, where I'm at. And then they're interviewing these people. And, oh, they're just also you know, concerned that there's not going to be you know, the vaccines. They're trying to create this, um, this fervor over you know, these vaccine shortage. So this is one of the ways they're trying to defuse things. Big Pharma must be pleased with all this, with the emergency powers in place. All that's necessary to force vaccinations upon the entire population is a larger supply of the vaccines, and that's coming in November. Now, um, this doc, all the documents I'm reading off today and the links and the YouTube videos that we'll be listening to will be available, as they are every week pretty much, on the PDF um, on my Sermon Audio website, and or the Contending for Truth uh, website as well a little bit later. Sermon Audio is immediate when when we get that up there. Um, So, and it's sermonaudio.com forward slash Dr. Scott Johnson, D-R-S-O-T-T-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. So, that was the first article, and and this was basically confirmed right out of Washington Post. I believe they're one of the first ones that broke this story. And it's all over the news now, so... Again, um, we're going to really be seeing how evil, I I understand we do this every week, but we're really going to be looking at how unbelievably evil this whole swine flu vaccination um, campaign debacle, it it really is. It is is so evil, and we're going to be proving that from so many different angles today. Um, Next thing we're going to be doing is looking at a video uh, from a guy named Jesse Woodrow. And he has some uh, good videos up on the internet. And I'm just going to start. This is, uh, our vaccines are safe. Where should I get mine? At church? And uh, that he, he doesn't think vaccines are safe. I don't know why he named the video that way. But um, anyway... We're going to start at the 6.30 mark, and we're just going to listen to a, you know, a little over a couple minutes of this, because the other stuff I've already covered. So let's go ahead and do this now. 
The reason I'm bringing this to your attention is power is knowledge, right? I have been getting emails. I have been seeing stories that guess who? Churches. People that call themselves Christian. Churches are lining up. That I heard reports that there's actually uh, churches that are opening their doors and after their Sunday service, people are lined up to take the swine flu vaccination, to take the regular flu vaccination. I have never taken a vaccination ever in my life. I've never taken a flu shot. I'm not going to take the swine flu shot. But I'm telling you, there are churches across this nation that I am reading. And here are some of the stories. Look, uh, there's one story. I got got three stories here from Cleveland.com, West Palm Beach Clinic. Uh, That's another story. And then uh, this is from WKTV. This first one was New Missionary Baptist Church. The second one was New Baptist Church. Uh, these are in different uh, areas of the country. Now, just so you know, I, I have reported on this going back probably one or two years at this point. When I first started uh, the teachings I've done on the 501c3 church and how they are in a lot of ways uh, directly linked up to Homeland Security and FEMA and that they will be used when martial law is declared, or particularly, I believe this will be the best scenario in a in a uh, vaccinate in this uh, whole H1N1 uh, pandemic uh, that we're going through here, or, or that we're, we're that we're most likely on the cusp of, that they will be used as places to to uh, quell dissent. To uh, they will actually be used as vaccination centers. They will be used as places where they round people up, potentially take them to camps, and the pastors are going to be the ones that are used to do this. And because of the 501c3 status that they've chosen to take, they're a corporate entity, which was given its right to exist by the government via the Internal Revenue Service. And there's going to come a time when, as um, Dr. Dixon had uh, submitted an article where Caesar will call in the chips and the um, subsidies and the tax-exempt status and the fact that their parishioners have been able to write off their tithes on their um, taxes, on their IRS taxes every year. There's going to come a time when that payment comes due, that the privilege that they've had to do that for all these years, that that payment comes due. And this is how I see the payment coming due when the churches actually are acting as agents of the government in this capacity to quell dissent, to be used as vaccination centers, to be used as places uh, where they round people up. Um, and it's it's just a matter of time. And I've done, if, if you want to know more about this, go up to the Sermon Audio site that I mentioned, sermonaudio.com forward slash Dr. Scott Johnson, and just key in the... the the word or the number 501 in the search box on my homepage. You can search any topic that you want, and you'll see several teachings I've done on this, probably seven or eight, and that will give you the full explanation of this with accompanying PDF files. So let's go further. Come, uh, they have another story there where churches are opening their doors uh, for their members and for the community to take the swine flu vaccination when I've just proved to you that our own government is so scared to death because it might be dangerous. Listen. 
power is knowledge. You need to understand that in 1976, they lied in the advertising campaign for the swine flu. Mary Tyler Moore said, I never took it. I didn't want them to use my name. Uh, they used my name anyway, and I'm against that kind of inoculation. They were warned in 1976 that it would cause brain damage, that this vaccination is too scary for the market. They uh, now have made it a, a, a oh, 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 wait, wait, oh, yeah, they have said now that you can't even sue, because in 1976, what'd they do? They started suing people that were getting GBS and dying. Their families were suing the government. They were suing the manufacturers. Guess what the government did? They passed legislation that you cannot sue the manufacturers in case you get some kind of disease or something happens to you. So if you get GBS, you can't sue the manufacturers like they, like they did in 1976. My point is this. Power is knowledge. Don't be deceived. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Okay, so that um, that little clip will confirm that. I think we're going to hear more and more about that aspect of this uh, regarding how the churches are going to be used uh, with the uh, with the government. And you know, uh, it's just as I said, it's a matter of time. Everything is really set in position. And um, it's just a matter of time before we see full implementation of that. And the pastors that are on these uh, TBN-type networks probably, you know, uh, begging their their parishioners to uh, submit to the government, to take the shot, to, you know, do whatever else they're called upon to do because that's the right thing to do is what they're going to say. And what the Bible says we're supposed to resist evil. And we're supposed to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and to have no fellowship with them. And hopefully we've proven through all these studies we've done on the swine flu that this is one of the most nefarious, evil, malevolent things that they have ever conceived. Mass genocide. And um, to create a very weak, sickly, controlled population. Not only that, we've also reported in all of these other previous teachings, or or a lot of them, how this could actually... um, alter our DNA, how there could be nanotechnology, which they've admitted to, built in to these shots. We really don't know what we're getting. Injectable nanorobots, nanomedicine, um, nanoparticles, these types of things where we really don't know what it is. There, there could also be injectable microchips uh, at the tip of the needle, which could be inserted at the end of the quality control process. So there's all of these things that, that, um, that could potentially be in this. And as we're going to see today, we're just going to prove, again, from a little different angle, the absolute evil behind this. And uh, uh, the next thing we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at a uh, story or a couple video clips from Dr. Leonard Horowitz. Now, again, Dr. Leonard Horowitz, he's New Age. Okay, He calls himself a Christian, uh, but... His doctrine doesn't line up with that whatsoever. Okay, so doctrinally, uh, I would highly, highly caution you to avoid Dr. Leonard Horowitz. But from a standpoint of documentation of the evil agenda behind swine flu, he's done some really great work. I can't deny it. He was the first one that ever really broke the link, and we're going to be—he's going to be looking at this today in these couple video clips. The link between the AIDS virus being created in a laboratory setting and being released via the hepatitis B vaccine back, I think, in the late uh, 70s 
with um, get the gay male populations um, in America, and also um, they released it in Africa, and how that was where the AIDS virus, which is a retrovirus, which would never occur naturally in nature, just by itself, that's how it actually got started. So vaccinations were the very method of, of, uh, of um, genocide that were used to, to, create, to spread this AIDS virus. Okay? And he's got the paperwork to prove it. So um, I'm just going to read you this little paragraph here. Uh, Dr. Oz, now if you don't know who Dr. Oz is, he's, he's the guy that's on Oprah all the time. And um, I, I, I cringe if I ever see him on there because he'll give you some truth and then he'll mix it in with a whole bunch of garbage. Okay, His, his answers to everything, his ultimate answers are, are just um, most of the time garbage. Okay, He doesn't carry it far enough. He'll just give you a tiny bit of what to do about this or that, or he'll give you some pharmacological answer to this, and you just can't drug your body into good health. So, again, he's mixed mingling truth with lie. And the Bible says, a little leaven, which is a type of sin or lie, leaveneth the whole lump, or bad doctrine. And this is what we were getting with Dr. Oz, a lot of bad doctrine, mixed with some truth. So, Oprah Winfrey's put him on the map, and we've done several teachings on her to expose her, but Dr. Oz uh, did not take the flu shot live on the ABC on ABC television unless he is a complete hypocrite. Now he took this shot, and if you um, watch these videos, you'll actually see him taking it. He wrote in his book for all for all consumers to always read the ingredient lists on food labels, and always avoid harmful chemical additives. This is what he wrote. So, um, Dr. Oz, the ingredients in the seasonal and the H1N1 flu vaccines are not even on the package inserts that Merck, Novartis, Baxter, and Sanofi Pasteur, and GlaxoSmithKline provide to doctors. To find the ingredients that include many toxic, potentially deadly chemicals, you need to search these companies' patents. Or else go to the package inserts at www.fluscam.com, www.fluscam.com, and you will see why Dr. Oz is a propaganda pimp for the drug cartels that includes his bosses at ABC TV, including Lloyd Blankfein of Goldman Sachs. Blankfein, or Blankfein, financed the ABC, the Disney, and we've done a whole teaching on Disney, Disney-ABC merger, and is the co-chairman with David Rockefeller and Rupert Murdoch. I mean, how much evil, more evil can you get? Rupert Murdoch is like known as the Great Satan. Okay, the guy is unbelievably evil. He has all kind of, um, he has a, basically, um, uh, he puts out pornography on, on, on one of the, uh, one or if not several of his media outlets. And we've done a teaching on Rupert Murdoch, and a lot of people don't know this, but guess who his pastor is? Rick Warren. And we've done a whole teaching on Rupert Murdoch and Rick Warren together, you can just key in um, Murdoch or Rupert, R-U-P-E-R-T, or Rick Warren in the keyword search box on my homepage on Sermon Audio, and you can listen to that. And, you know, David Rockefeller, obviously, you know, uh, very, very evil family, evil, you know, these people are all about control and um, money and, and these types of things. So, this these two video clips kind of get into that. So let's go ahead and start this one off here. Today, we're talking about 
about the swine flu pandemic and the steps you must take to be prepared. Joining me is Janan. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. Now you're a mom. Yes, I am. Are you worried about swine flu? I'm very worried about it, actually, because they're saying that up to 50% of the population can be, you know, infected with this. And I have three girls, mm -hmm. 12, 10. And okay, so just so you know, this is Dr. Oz, and he's interviewing the supposedly, you know, um, unbiased mom or whatever that just comes up on stage at Oprah on the Oprah Winfrey show, and he's interviewing her. And uh, this guy's just a really slick devil. And he diffuses people because he comes across as so genuine in this and that. Uh, but again, Satan is the most subtle beast of the field, as the Bible talks about in Genesis 3. And Dr. Oz is really cut from the same cloth. Five. You going to vaccinate them? Yeah. Did you see her face? Is she believable? Really not. They would never have allowed her on the stage if she hadn't held a position and stated that she would say yes. Now this is Dr. Horowitz commenting. Now remember, everybody in the audience is getting one of these flu shots, so... Everyone in the audience getting the flu shot? I wonder whether they've done medical histories on everyone in the audience and found out the contraindications to the vaccinations. Maybe about 15-20% of the audience have the vaccine injury called eczema, which contraindicates further exposure to these types of vaccinations. Do you think they really screen these patients? Now, he brings up an interesting point there. I was not fully aware that eczema was a vaccine injury. I can't tell you how many people have emailed me and say, what do I do for eczema? And most likely, the eczema was actually caused probably as an autoimmune reaction in the skin from a vaccine they've taken at some time in their life. Uh, I have found eczema, the best protocol that works is uh, the, um, it's called emu oil, E-M-U oil. Okay, you apply that topically, and um, then you take. You also apply topically the. the uh, I like to use the um, the five thousand part per million mild silver protein uh, from Invive. Uh, that with the emu oil works really good. The emu oil helps to rebuild and heal the skin, whereas the silver will kill any. Um, a lot of times, eczema is also associated with candida and yeast, and if you take the the uh, the uh, 5,000 part mild silver protein internally. Uh, if you're an adult, try to get in at least one teaspoon a day. Um, you can split that dosage up, or, or one to two. Actually, probably two would be better initially if you want to knock it out quicker. And you hold each dose. Another thing about the silvers, what you want to do is you want to hold each dose for at least a minute. If preferably two to three minutes, okay? And that's why if you have a little bit of peppermint oil, it's not a big deal, okay, as far as offsetting the taste. The reason that is, is you're absorbing the silver sublingually in your mouth. Your mouth is a highly uh, absorbable, it, it can absorb these things uh, at a very high rate, and by taking it internally, then you can do that. So what you do is you take the silver, you hold it in the mouth for two or three minutes, uh, I would say two teaspoons a day for, for a child, you know, it would depend on the body weight. Generally speaking, what they say on the silver is that you want to do um, 30 pounds. For every 30 pounds of body weight, the maximum amount like that you would want to do in a daily dose would be one teaspoon per 30 pounds. This would be like if it was worst case scenario and you were trying to um, say somebody had like rheumatic fever or something. And um, so that would be something like you would want to uh, use that type of dosage. In a pandemic scenario, 
those would be kind of dosages you would want to look at. You can actually even go higher if we're talking like you're on the death's doorstep, okay? You can actually go up to one tablespoon um, per 30 pounds, but that would only be in life or death situations on that on that product. So anyway, that's I've seen that. I've had people report back to me it cured their eczema, okay? Uh, so you apply the silver topically, and then you put the emu oil over it, okay, wherever the eczema is, and then you take the mild... Uh, Silver protein, um, and also you want to do a liver cleanse as well. That's another good thing to do as well on top of the silver. Okay, so um, my, my website again is www.drdr-johnson.com. So anyway, let's go further on this. This is with the uh, with this is with the Dr. Oz interview. Notice the cutaway. This was a cut. It was a cut clip where they showed the whole audience clapping and smiling. You know, any audience that would be told that the whole audience is going to get vaccinated, a lot of people would go, ow. A lot of people would go, not me. This is a scam. I'm just going first. Swine flu. Again, this is such blatant, sickening propaganda. What are they going to do? Are they going to vaccinate them at gunpoint in the audience? I wonder, you know, I mean... It's just, it, it really is a scam, and it, it is so sickening what they're doing in light of the information that we've covered in the past and the information we will be covering today. Uh, Dr. Horowitz is going to get into some things that are just amazing regarding this whole scenario. Was on the doorstep. This deadly infection has already wreaked havoc around the world. And alarmingly, the World Health Organization has now updated it to a global pandemic. You need to know that the World Health Organization is an institution that was established by the Rockefeller family, along with the complete control, monopolization over American medicine back in the early 1920s. The whole disease surveillance outpost the World Health Organization runs, well, another Rockefeller entity. In essence, you have a propaganda campaign that's advancing a global genocide. Hardest hit, the United States, where a staggering one million Americans have already been infected. Listen to this fear. Over a million people already infected. Well, gee whiz, a normal flu will do far worse than that. A normal flu, normal flu season, kills about 36,000 people. Who are these people that die? Typically, the elderly, the immune-compromised people who have been on drugs and pharmaceuticals, being pushed by the same drug industrialists that are pushing the vaccinations. In this case, the reality is far more people should be frightened about your average flu, as experts have already said that H1N1, pandemic flu, is less dangerous than your average flu. It's a chilling reminder of swine flu's deadly predecessor, the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918, which started small in the spring and then came roaring back in the fall, ultimately killing 40 million people worldwide. Okay, and I've done, again, I've done a whole, I have a DVD on this, okay, uh, and I did a 14-city tour back in 05 on the avian flu, and what we, uh, what I totally determined, was uh, easily verifiable, easily documentable, is that the vaccinations were the thing that that caused the Spanish flu of 1918-1919 that killed 
anywhere from 50 to 100 million people. It was very hard to get a body count because people were dying so fast. But the ones that were dying were the ones that were vaccinated. Okay, It was a proven fact. The doctors even admitted it in their medical reports. And this was uh, the first time that this had really ever happened. And um, it looks as though we're going to have a repeat of that on Unfortunately, on more of a large uh, scale, the, the population, obviously, we have a lot more people on the planet. There's a lot more people, I believe, right now that are more immune-compromised. People live closer together. We have um, modes of transportation where these things can, vectors can be spread easily, more easily than they could have. We didn't have jet planes back then flying all over the earth where people could take things here and there. So that scenario is yet to be played out, but it appears as though it will be. Uh, unless the Lord intervenes. So let's go further. The Spanish flu of 1918 that killed all those millions of people was actually dug up in 1997 by Dr. David Sensor and other researchers for the Centers for Disease Control. If you study history, medical history that is, Dr. David Sensor played a major role in not just the digging up of the 1918 Spanish flu. He was instrumental in the 1976 investigation of Fort Dick's mysterious outbreak that, according to all of the evidence, was most likely a military experiment on New Jersey military personnel at Fort Dix. Now, Fort Dix is also the place that the 1918-1919 Spanish flu started as well, uh, through the vaccination process through Army personnel. So, that's, Fort Dix has been known as what they call a vaccine trial center who had never touched a pig, there was no pigs at Fort Dix, none of the soldiers that came down with this illness ever touched a pig on leave, and in essence, what you had is a standard military operation. Interesting that David Sensor was at the CDC at that time, and this was the exact time when they started to promote the 1976 swine flu vaccine program. Now, if that's not bad enough, follow Dr. David Sensor a little further, and you'll realize that they sent him right at this time, 1976, when the AIDS virus was outbreaking in New York City. They sent Dr. David Sensor, fresh from the swine flu vaccine campaign, into New York to oversee the manipulation of the media and the media's response to contaminated blood fears with HIV, the AIDS virus. It was Dr. Sensor who stalled and allowed for the AIDS virus-contaminated blood at the New York Blood Center to be shipped all over the world to support the Rockefeller-directed American Red Cross and to shield that organization as well as other major drug companies such as the Bayer Corporation and today's company called Baxter that produces the swine flu vaccine. Well, likewise, they spread HIV-AIDS through heparin-contaminated blood factor, and blood products. One more thing about Dr. David Sensor. This was the doctor that signed off on the Tuskegee syphilis study to have the public health service actually not treat and simply observe black men who were infected with the deadly syphilis agent. Now, syphilis, if you just let it go, which is what they did with this Tuskegee experiment, which is one of the many hundreds of experiments that have been done on the American population, uh, that are documentable. Dr. Stan Monteith documented uh, experiment after experiment after experiment uh, regarding this, if you ever want to get a definitive uh, look at that whole process. They, we've been experimented on for a long time, but syphilis is really, 
really bad if you just let it go. It turns into what they call tertiary syphilis, and the and, and basically, you know, it, it um, the the brain um, of the of the individual with tertiary syphilis starts to basically just degenerate, and um, it, it is it is unbelievably horrific stuff. And they just let them go, knowing what was actually causing it. So these are some very 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 evil sick individuals we're we're dealing with here. Early, experts now say a second wave of the swine flu is coming this fall. Their prediction? Horrifying. As many as 150 million people infected. Horrifying? 150 million people infected with H1N1? Gee whiz. That's not the real problem. The real problem is H5N1, the avian flu that kills two out of three people that it infects. And, and he's absolutely right on that. That's the H5N1 avian flu which again is what I had r reported on since 05, what I did the DVD on. Um, it's called Avion Flu Killer of Millions. You can get it through cuttingedge.org. Um, and um, he's absolutely right, because that is the one that will kill two out of three people, has an extremely high kill rate. And um, what we're, we're looking at here is a possible combination of that and the H1N1. I'll let him explain. And it was spread by the Baxter Corporation once again. That is, the makers of the contaminated heparin blood factor products that contain the AIDS virus. And that this company actually spread H5N1 to 18 European laboratories in February of 2009. So the concern that H5N1, this major deadly virus that has the capacity to recombine with this benign or relatively benign H1N1 virus, that is what the major concern, the major risk is. Up to 90,000 could die, all in the U.S. alone. It's the worst case scenario the medical community is desperate to prevent. If the medical community is so interested in preventing this illness, why don't they tell people about the simple things that they can do beyond hand washing and beyond mask wearing? How about vitamin C, vitamin D, good nutrition? Those are antivirals, very powerful those vitamins are. And how about the suppressed silver hydrosols, oxysilver for example, which was produced for NASA to be given to astronauts to keep astronauts healthy in space. Well, it's a simple mineral water. Doesn't cause any side effects. Why don't they give that to the public? But no, they've got to inject people, infect people, intoxicate people, and depopulate people. The fact is, that's what vaccinations are about. When you inject people with foreign RNA and DNA from these viruses, and you add to that the chemical toxins, everything from water and oil, squalene, adjuvants, mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde, formalin, all toxic waste, well, what do you expect but people getting sick? And that's precisely what happens in 65 to 70 percent of the people who get flu shots get sick with the flu. Now, before we go any further, let me tell you a little bit about how the swine flu got started. Now, I have this animation. I think it'll help you. If you look exactly what happened, the virus came actually from a couple sources. It came from humans and from birds, and it met up in swine and pigs. And these virus molecules got together, and they began to share a blueprint. Dr. Oz just proved that he's a complete simpleton. This simple explanation is not really at all what really happened. The fact is that two children initially, around the 15th of April, 2009, 
living about 100 miles apart in Southern California, who had never seen each other, never sneezed on one another, broke down allegedly with this kind of flu, H1N1. At the same time in Mexico, the Mexican outbreak began allegedly with the same strain. The reality is that it was impossible, except for there being some sort of a refrigerator or a human transportation device, to have had those children who were never in touch with the Mexicans and the Mexicans never in touch with these children to come down with the same type of flu. The reality is also that there was a vaccination campaign according to testimony that is currently playing on YouTube. Anecdotal as it may be, that is the most likely scenario. There was a nurse supposedly who testified that this was what happened. A vaccine-induced illness began to spread in Mexico. Subsequently, the media caught on. Thomas Glosher's Reuters News Service broke the story that there was a potentially H5N1, avian flu, mixed with H1N1 and the Spanish flu, all combining in Mexican pigs and humans now that were going to wreak havoc with the world. At the same time, little do most people realize, the Centers for Disease Control and the Novavax Corporation were beginning to push their vaccinations, the new flu vaccines, like Johnny on the spot, that could handle H5N1 and H1N1. Well, of course, stocks began to soar. In fact, it was days before the first H1N1 flu was announced that the press releases had already begun to fly. Today, this corporation, Novavax, is run by one of the major companies that produce the H1N1 swine flu vaccine. It's called Novartis. And the other major vaccine corporation that's producing these swine flu vaccines, these pandemic H1N1 flu vaccines, is the Merck Pharmaceutical Company, with Thomas Glosser, the CEO of Reuters, on the board of directors of the Merck Pharmaceutical Company. Now, remember, Reuters was the one that first broke the story. He mentioned that a couple, Thomas Glosser from Reuters, who owns Reuters, he's also on the board of Merck. There, you know, there's no conflict of interest, you know, it's just... It really is that wicked, and we're going to go to part two of this now, and let um, Dr. Horowitz explain some more of this. And that new virus got into humans, and because it was brand new, we couldn't attack it, or antibodies wouldn't work against it. Dr. Oz makes a ridiculous claim that because this virus was new, our bodies, our antibodies, wouldn't work against it. Fact is, if that were true, we would all be dead right now. Again, this it is an incredibly asinine statement on this supposed doctor's part. Uh, to say that our own immune system cannot recognize or deal with something, this is a big responsibility of the immune system in general in the thymus gland, which is a little gland behind the breastbone in the chest. And it acts almost like a computer chip, and when we're exposed to different pathogens and things of this nature... Um, our body has a way of um, identifying it. If it hasn't seen it before, it will ramp up the immune system in order to eradicate it. Okay, But what the medical profession wants us to believe is that we have to rely on these toxic drugs, these toxic vaccines, in order to survive. That, that our immune system, which is an incredible... Um, part of our body that the, that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us, that that immune system is not capable 
of doing this. It's not capable of ramping up and killing infections and things of this nature. We need to get health from the outside in, whereas health really um, comes from a body that is well-nourished that can ramp up its own defenses and eradicate these things on its own. And then once the body has seen a bacteria, virus, pathogen um, at one time and eradicated it, the next time it sees it again, it remembers that. It has a memory, and it doesn't have near as much of a problem dealing with, with it the second time. And this is uh, kind of the whole concept of acquired immunity. This is the whole concept of supposedly the vaccinations. Uh, but with the vaccinations, they're injecting so many toxic foreign compounds in with these partially attenuated viruses, and it's also going in by a means that the body's not capable of coping with, uh, being in the injection straight into the bloodstream. The body has no time to tag it and to mark it properly as it would if you had inhaled it or if it had been absorbed through the skin. So these are just things to think about. And it was very contagious. It could spread by coughing, it could spread by touching, and it was very readily able to access a lot of human beings for that reason. In fact, if you look at how it spread from Mexico where it began, it pretty quickly moved up from Mexico across the border into our country, San Antonio, San Diego, and New York were the first places, then into Canada, then across the ocean into Europe, and then ultimately into six continents. This likewise is an absolutely ridiculous simpleton's explanation of what really happened. The fact is that this is not any different than what happened in 1977 with the brand new swine flu outbreak that somehow, according to the experts, came from a refrigerator. That's right. You heard me. Researchers, not only Dr. Zimmer and Burke in the New England Journal of Medicine, but Dr. Sensor himself stated that the 1977 outbreak that followed the 1976 Fort Dix outbreak had come from a laboratory refrigerator. And the 1977 outbreak had to have come from a refrigerator because that virus had been extinct for 20 years. Likewise, this particular flu of 1918, that had been likewise extinct. So suddenly for that to have been basically dug up in 1997 by Dr. David Sensor et al. and then found its way genes of it did, into the current spreading flu, likewise indicates it is an unnatural, man-made laboratory creation. Because it's pretty contagious, it's a pandemic, which means it's spread all over the planet. Now, I have assembled the best minds in this nation to tell you what you need to know. Dr. Oz assembled the greatest minds in America? Hardly. His bosses did at ABC. These are the people who are on the front lines. Dr. Anthony Fauci is the top infectious disease specialist at the National Institutes of Health. Dr. Anthony Fauci has a hideous history. The fact is the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases that Dr. Fauci runs as the chief propagandist minister for the government of the United States and the drug industry is literally part of the AIDS conspiracy. In fact, it was the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases between 1972 and 1974 that joined the Merck Pharmaceutical Company, the Centers for Disease Control, and the Food and Drug Administration in literally creating the four different subtypes of hepatitis B vaccines that were given to gay men in New York City and blacks in Central Africa, along with Willowbrook State School mentally retarded children on Staten Island in New York, 
that triggered the international AIDS pandemic. Now, that's just not hearsay. That's scientifically published fact. Chimpanzees were used to grow the hepatitis B as well as the HIV, the AIDS-like viruses, contaminating this particular vaccine. And yet there's been no investigation of this definitive hypothesis. A complete censorship has taken place. Fact is, simian immunodeficiency virus from the chimpanzee, every AIDS scientist knows, is the closest thing going to the human AIDS virus, HIV. The fact that these vaccines were produced by the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases under Dr. Fauci's knows, and he knows all about it, is a complete violation of his trustworthiness. Dr. Fauci is also the co-patent holder on interleukin-2, IL-2 it's called. It is a vaccine ingredient, an adjuvant, an immune stimulator that has not worked out too well in AIDS studies and other vaccine trials, but it's still being used and still being plugged. And the fact that Dr. Fauci is getting royalties for taxpayer-funded research at the NIAID is outrageous, a gross conflict of interest. So this is who Dr. Oz has before him in the studio audience now, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the king of AIDS, the AIDS czar for the United States of America, the man who also has gross conflicting interest in the companies that are producing the H1N1 swine flu pandemic vaccines. Dr. Fauci, Obviously, no one expects this, and we don't want the worst-case scenario. But give me an idea about how our nation is prepared to cope with the swine flu if it actually spreads as fast as some have predicted. Well, the preparation uh, really consists of four things. One is surveillance to see how it's what the pattern that you showed there on the board. The other is what's called community mitigation. The other is vaccination, which is really the key to preparedness. And the other is communication. Vaccination, the key to prevention, Dr. Fauci lies. Hygiene and good nutrition are those keys they always have been. A new study up in Canada on more than a million people between 2006 and the current 2009 pandemic shows that those who got vaccinated with regular flu vaccines are two times as likely to get H1N1 swine flu and get really sick because their immune systems are literally whacked out. That's what happens when you get injected with foreign RNA and DNA and all these proteins from various sources. In this case, eggs, chicken embryos used by most of the vaccine companies. And with Baxter, they also use the contaminated African green monkey varicell cultures that were associated with bringing AIDS to the world, according to the Merck Pharmaceutical Company's leading expert, Dr. Maurice Hilleman. Online right now, you can view that on YouTube. Merck Vaccine Chief brings AIDS to the world. That's the title. You can see Dr. Hilleman's early 1986 interview, and you can begin to realize what we're dealing here is this incredible genocide associated with vaccination contaminations and vaccination risks. Who would be doing this? Who would Dr. Anthony Fauci be reporting to? It turns out, according to the Washington Post, as well as CIA's own documents, that the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, oversees all of AIDS science and all of infectious disease, bioterrorism, and biopreparedness for this current flu included. Now, what is the CIA's connection to the Rockefeller family? Study history. You'll learn that the Rockefeller family actually created the CIA out of the OSS. 
during World War II. At the end of World War II, when they broke up IG Farben, Germany's leading industrial organization that for all practical purposes was the Third Reich, they decartelized it. That was the word that was used by John J. McCloy, an attorney and a banker for the Rockefeller family. And that decartelization created the mega companies that we're looking at today. Bayer Corporation, Merck Pharmaceutical Company. Merck received the lion's share, in fact, of the Nazi war chest at the end of World War II. So it shouldn't come to anyone's surprise that the partnership for New York City, founded by David Rockefeller, with co-chairman Rupert Murdoch, media mogul he is, as well as Thomas Glosser, likewise a media mogul for Reuters, are at the forefront of this vaccine catastrophe, intimately connected. And again, these are the very people that want to depopulate the earth. These are the very people that would, would go along with the whole Georgia Guidestones depopulating earth to 500 uh, million in order for you know the earth to be what they call sustainable. So they have to depopulate the planet. It's part of their religion. It's part of Luciferianism, um, the highest levels of the occult. These, these are going to be viewed as sacrifices to their god, Satan, or Lucifer, whoever they want to call him. Uh, this is ultimately the agenda. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is in control, so he determines you know, what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. But this is what they're, uh, it seems to be, is what they're on the cusp of doing. And we've got history, 1918-1919 Spanish flu, where, you know, 50 to 100 million people, they were able to pull that off. Now, I'm looking at this, um, he's showing some things on the uh, on this presentation along the way, and this is from Bayer Pharmaceuticals. This is an old ad, I mean, you can tell this is probably from like the 20s or something. And it shows aspirin, and it shows lysitol, which I'm not 100% sure what that is, but then it shows these are products that they sold, and then there's another one, heroin. And they actually did sell heroin back then. And Bayer, which is one of the most evil companies on the planet, uh, was um, one of the companies that uh, I believe IG Farben splintered into, Bayer Aspirin, which is where we get Bayer Aspirin. So, they, um, at one time, they actually sold heroin openly. And it was, um, I believe, touted as a, uh, a medicine for fever, possibly cough. And uh, mothers would put their little babies on this, and um, they would notice the baby would calm right down. But the problem is, is if they took it for any kind of dosage, when they stopped giving it to the baby, the baby would go into withdrawal. It was literally a heroin addict. And the reason that it got the name heroin was because when they were first coming out with this drug, uh, they went and they, uh, they did trials on some of the employees, I believe, that, that um, worked there, and... What they did is they gave them the heroin, and um, they interviewed them afterward. And the reason it got its name heroin is because the people in the study described that when they were on it, they felt like they were the heroin of some, like, Teutonic legend or some superhero type of, I'm the heroin of this story, you know. In other words, like the hero type of thing. And that's the way it made them feel, so... That's how it got its name, just so you know. So let's go back to this interview here, and we'll start over here. 
intimately connected to the drug industrialists and media marketeers for these swine flu vaccines, giving Dr. Oz, as well as Dr. Anthony Fauci, the venue to spout propaganda as though it were truth. And this pandemic is different than seasonal flu in that it has a predilection for younger people. So why do you think it is that unlike seasonal flu, which seems to hurt mostly the older population, this virus tends to spare that group and attack the younger, healthier folks? It's very likely that the younger people have never seen anything like it before, so they're the most vulnerable, where the older people probably had some what we call cross-reacting immunity that could protect them from this new virus. Are there other subgroups of the population that seem to be especially at risk? Well, certainly pregnant women Women are, are clearly at greater risk. People with underlying conditions that compromise them, lung disease, heart disease, uh, asthma, mm -hmm. diabetes, things like that. And then there are the very young children are at much more vulnerable than others. A predilection for younger children and pregnant women? Excuse me. The reality is in medicine, we always treat pregnant women with developing fetuses whose neurology is still in the process of forming with optimal care. Vaccinations have always been elective and contraindicated in pregnant women. Suddenly, the children and pregnant women that are at high risk, allegedly, are at the forefront of this genocide. If you look at who is actually doing the safety testing on studies on this H1N1 flu vaccines on pregnant women, babies, and children, it is all being conducted in Australia by the Murdoch family. Rupert Murdoch's mother runs the hospital that is associated with testing pregnant women and babies. And his daughter-in-law, Sarah Murdoch, is in charge of the CSL laboratory experiment facilities that are conducting the same vaccine studies on the children. Come to find out, they're relying upon the old vaccine studies, the old flu studies, by which to gauge their measures of success and efficacy and safety in these new vaccines. But the reality is, when you go and look at those older vaccination studies, you see that they are completely unscientific. It's pseudoscience. It's bogus. The experimental and control groups were both injected with vaccinations. The control groups were not given saline solutions, so that, that minimized the amount of difference, statistically significant differences between the experimental and control groups. And that allowed now the Dr. Fauci's of the world to claim fraudulently that these vaccines are safe because we didn't see any difference between experimental and control groups in these tests. Okay, so that's all we're going we're gonna to do for this part one. Uh, um, obviously, if you're wanting to depopulate the planet, the two groups that you would want to go after the most would be the children and the pregnant women, uh, not only because the women have a baby in them, but also because those women can bear children again. So if you can sterilize that group, uh, then that's going to be a very, very important thing. Not only sterilize, but... Um, kill a certain percentage of them, and again, we haven't seen really the true agenda, the, the, the true extent of what they're trying to unleash on humanity with these vaccinations, but um, uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to see that pretty soon, we're go going to see that. So, again, it's something that, you know, if you're trying to depopulate the planet, and, and you're going to try to defile humanity, 
to the maximum extent, the people you would want to go after would be the, the children and the babies in the womb and the, and the mothers of childbearing age. And so it's no wonder that that's the case. So we're going to end part one here, and we'll go to part two next. God bless you.